Welcome back to the South Stands, uh, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans, which you can now get on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. From San Francisco, I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today, I'm very happy to be joined in the Mountain Time Zone by Paige and in the Eastern Time Zone by Chad and Matt. We are not trained media professionals. We are not <laughs> former players or coaches. We do not have access to current Ohio State players and coaches. We and we all, we're not very bright either, as you'll find out. <laughs> we are Ohio State alums, rabid Buckeye fans, observers from afar who love talking about the game. And we hope you'll enjoy this free-flowing conversation today about the Buckeyes' 76-5 to drubbing of Miami of Ohio yesterday. Uh, we're also going to spend a little time on the dumpster fire known as the University of Michigan football program. Uh, if, if you watched the game, you saw a pretty sluggish start by the Buckeyes that led to a Miami safety, followed by their only sustained scoring drive of the game. The Buckeyes found themselves in an early five-zip hole before rattling off 76 unanswered. Ooh, ouch. Um, before we go around the horn, let me just set the stage with a few numbers from yesterday's game. Uh, quarterback Justin Fields finished with 14 of 21 uh, uh, completions for 223 yards passing and four TD passes. He also ran nine times for 44 yards and two more touchdowns. Um, adult film star Steel Chambers led the Buckeyes on the ground with 63 yards on eight carries and a touchdown. I'm just kidding. He's, he's not a porn star, but he has a great porn star name. Um, uh, emerging star Garrett Wilson led Ohio State receiving with 54 yards on four catches, including a breathtaking 38-yard TD catch, which really demonstrated the full range of all his ball skills and athleticism. Uh, Wilson also flashed on special teams with a 52-yard punt return. Finally, it was another stifling performance by the Ohio State defense, led by, guess who, defensive end Chase Young. Buckeyes held Miami to 130 yards on, of total offense, turned in five sacks, 13 more tackles for loss, and three turnovers. Young had two devastating strip sacks in the span of about five minutes uh, during the second quarter. I think we'd all agree he's making a very strong case to be the number one overall pick in the 2020 uh, NFL draft. Yeah. So, guys, let's, uh, let's go around the horn here and uh, get some initial impressions. Hey, Matt, why don't we start with you? What did you see yesterday that stood out? Well, what's great about the game, these are the kind of games I call family reunion games because sometimes, like, when my family on the Sloan side is rather large. So you go there and you know some people, but you don't know some second cousins, and you're just like, who is this person? Who is it? And I think this kind of game, you get to understand how uh, the depth of Ohio State, and you get to see players that, on the like on a competitive game, you probably won't see for too many snaps, you know? Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I like that they started – Again, well, I don't say I like, but that, that he started with their back against the wall a little bit because they had to, with, especially with the option offense that they were kind of running. Yeah. Uh, Akuda looked out of sorts as well from the start. I yeah. don't know what he was doing before the game, but it, he shouldn't do that routine anymore. Um, and, um, but they made the adjustments and they just put the throttle down. And that's what you like to yeah. see. They, they, they say, okay, this is what you guys are going to do us with. Okay, well, let's adjust to that. And they did. And uh, yeah, thorough thumping. Yeah, yeah. Just to just to kind of back you up uh, after those initial uh, that initial uh, Miami flurry, if we can call it that, to go up five zip. High State and, and what the first quarter ended, it was a seven five game. Ohio State uh, rattled off uh, forty two more points with forty two zip in the second quarter. So they really exploded in the second quarter to kind of uh, seize control of that game. Uh, hey, Paige, why don't you give us your observations? I, I'm just happy the game's over. I'm just happy that four-game stretch is over. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the, way they, the way that game started, the first nine minutes, just I was having flashbacks to last year, like, oh, God, we're really going to have to sweat this one out. Like the Minnesota game, I think I turned off. Zach, you and I were talking about that. I just I, I can't watch this anymore. I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> Um, but they did turn it around really, really quickly. So uh, that was good to see. I thought the defensive adjustments that they made, um, you know, uh, were probably pretty pivotal. It was – I'll be interested to sort of hear and read, you know, what they saw and what they did to change things because, you know, it looked like, oh, man, it's just going to be one of those pesky offenses, right? right. It goes up and down the field. It's hard to stop. Um, but for – 
you know, somehow, some way, they just completely shut that off. And then the, the total, you know, domination took over. Um, highlight of the game for me was the beautiful uh, fourth down quarterback sneak from Justin <laughs> Fields. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> like that, I hit, right? Yeah. I mean, just boil it down to its simplest form sometimes. I mean, how frustrating was it? with uh, JT and even a lot last year where on those short down situations, we didn't really seem like we had an identity. We couldn't really, uh, you know, convert that play with the ease that you should be able to do it. And when you have an offensive line as big and as strong as ours, and you've got Justin Fields, six foot three, two fifty, just put him under center and get a yard. And he actually like went for four yards. So to me, I that know. was just the, by far the highlight of the game. Um, loved seeing that. And then the other last piece um, is just, I, I just kept thinking about who was that poor dude on the offensive line from Miami who was probably, you know, at like Our Lady of Peace Catholic High School last year. And now he's in Ohio Stadium lined up in front of Chase Young all day. And like, how the fuck am I supposed to deal with this guy? It's oh. just getting abused. <laughs> Over and over and over again. Over I just, I actually started started to feel bad for that guy. So um, <laughs> I was glad just to see that them pull it out. I'm surprised by the final score. Um, I didn't think it would get up that high, but uh, it was it was a fun game to watch for for a while there in the second and third quarters. But let's just move on to some harder competition yeah. and some some better games from here. Hundred percent. Real quick on the quarterback sneak, it was really funny to see Twitter hyperventilating over like what was a four-yard gain out of all these explosive plays that we saw yesterday. Uh, really, Buckeye Nation kind of across across the board, and a lot of the beat writers uh, went nuts over you know Fields lining up under center and going right up the center's rear end for a four-yard gain. But yeah, I think all of us you know breathe a, a collective sigh of relief, like oh my God, they can convert short yardage plays now. Hallelujah. Hey, Chad, I well, wanted to you know, the initial – sorry, go, go ahead, Paige. The other thing is it's just a byproduct of him having fields under center, you know, yeah. a lot more than – day more than, you know, Urban ever did that. You know, it, it always made me scratch my head, like, well, why is that so complicated? Like, well, we don't practice it and play because, you know, we're always in the shotgun. Like, why the hell should that matter? But <laughs> yeah, I think the kind of offense practice. that Day is running – it, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess so. Pretty now you'll feel comfortable enough to do it. Who knows? Yeah, just yeah. If you don't practice it, then practice it. Anyway. Um, yeah. Hey, anyway. Hey, Chad. Why don't we? Uh, why don't you give us your initial impressions of what you saw yesterday? Well, as uh, Sloaner and uh, Paige, you know, mentioned, it was a, uh, a little rough start. I actually was on my way over to a friend's house to watch the game, and like I saw that taped, and I was like, oh Jesus. And uh, so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to get in the car. I'm not going to listen to it on the radio. It's going to be all good. We're good. Um, I tell you what, like, I, I obviously, you know, you get that, like, cringe in your stomach. But, I, 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 you know, I knew we'd get our shit together at some point. But what I was most impressed with yesterday is all the young players that got in and just what kind of team we're going to continue. Like, like Harry Miller, for mm. example, that right. guy's going to be a beast. Yeah. I mean, you got Josh mm -hmm. Myers and Harry Miller. They might have to move yep. Josh Myers to, like, guard next year because Harry Miller's that good. Yeah. Um, Dallas, That's a good point. Dallas Gant, dude, that kid is a stud. Yeah. Um, yep. He had, what, he had, I think, a, a killer game, seven yeah. banks. I mean, that yeah. kid would get a the block punt, um, in the late in the first half, you know, and then you got like I mean Garrett Wilson, dude, that kid is just, and I think it was fifth year senior that Chris, uh, the quarterback Chuckanov or whatever it is, how you know, yeah, forget about that nation. He uh, look, he he actually looked, he had some nice passes in that game. So yeah, I mean, that's not to say that if uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want anything to happen to Jay Jay Field, but. Uh, you know, and they're like, what about Jamison Jameson Williams, the uh, true freshman wide receiver? Yeah, um, he showed some explosion on that play. Yeah. That touchdown run. Yeah. Back, yeah, he takes a back seat to uh, Wilson, but, man, we looking good. Um, the, uh, I wasn't 
my boy Master Tig, uh, you know, he didn't have such a great day yesterday. Um, but you know, he's still like that kid's just a beast. Um, you know, he's got to be fine. Yeah, he is. So I'm just like, you know, it, it's good and it it makes you feel so where the direction of the program is going with all these kids that we got to see yesterday. So I'm excited about this, the future of this this program, and I, I really feel like this team is coming together. And I, why well, I will say one last thing. I love the fact that they did not take his foot off the pedal yesterday uh, yeah. when we started jumping. I mean, I was worried about that, you know, because we've got all those second stringers playing, and but he just kept the throttle down, and I loved it. You know, I saw, you make I a good com- Sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, you make a really good point about fields, man. The, the, the thing that we, you know, thing that we all keep in the back of mind, but we don't mention that often is, you know, quarterbacks are fucking fragile. Um, yeah. and, and we, yeah. and, as, and you don't have to go back in Ohio state lore too, too many years to see where we've had problems with the quarterback getting injured. Um, yeah. so to see what we have behind fields, cause the spot spotlight has almost been like, Oh, we got fields. He's made out of titanium. So we don't have to worry yeah. about anything else. <laughs> and, and the, and the truth is, it's like, we got to see what these other guys can do, but more importantly, they got to have the reps playing with everyone on a field in front of someone they don't know uh, mm-hmm. so they can feel comfortable. So Chuganov and I'm, I'm butchering that, but, and Gunner getting in reps and, you know, seven passes for 86 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. I know that's against a subpar team or not a, not a, um, a big 10 team, but nonetheless, that's pretty, that's pretty great. Yeah, I guess I, it's reasonable to feel a little bit better about the backup quarterback situation. But to, to Chad's point, yeah, I, I really hope we don't have to see either of those guys in any meaningful action, right? But we want to keep fields upright. As sturdy as that kid is, and, and I've seen him in person, he is a strapping uh, big dude. Sturdy lower body, too. I mean, geez, he's, his legs uh, look like a fullback's legs. He's He's really sturdily built. But we got to keep that guy upright. We, we certainly don't want to have to go to Chugganoff or Hoke uh, with a game there's, on the line. Z, there's one person I forgot to mention, and it, it's such a shame that it took him so long to to be where he is now. But Benjamin Victor, that kid's a stud. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see him, like, you know, fifth-year senior. It's, it, I'm glad to see him, like, actually, you know, coming through, you know. Yeah. Took a long time, but I, I yeah. feel like he's a solid. Great solid hands. Yeah, yeah it, it, you mentioned the hands, you know, starting with Victor, but really kind of when you're talk, talking about the entire receiver core, I don't remember a single drop pass this season by any of the receivers. Maybe that there probably have been a couple, but I mean, very sure-handed across the board, starting with Victor. It is nice to see him uh, consistently contribute. And now, you know, he got limited action yesterday, as did all the starters. Um, but you could see early on he was making an impact, as he has early on in all of these games. I think it's helped that yeah. there's a bit of a tighter rotation with the receivers this year than last. It seems like, you know, they've tightened that up, that, that you've got, uh, you know, Victor, Olave, right. uh, Hill. Um, but who else am I leaving out? Uh, it's kind of Mac, your chief. Mac. And Matt. Yeah. Mac. Th- those are your you throw go-to guys. Yeah. yeah, those are your four go-to guys. It, you're sprinkling in uh, Garrett Wilson, which I think we're going to continue to see more and more of him. But I like that they've tightened the rotation up a little bit. And I think Victor has benefited from, from more opportunities um, than he has, right. you know, the, the last couple of years. And all praise going to uh, Heartline, man. I remember, on, yeah. I think on Twitter, they showed some of the drills that they do just to get eye-hand coordination. And they're just these, they're very small, simple drills that they keep, they run every day to, mm-hmm. to build eye hand coordination. Uh, yeah. And those are things that are, I mean, I think what Heartline has brought onto that team is the ability for these guys. Yes, you're very talented physically, but we need to build out your eye hand coordination. We need to build out your vision. You know, yeah. we need to put you in situations to where, you, where when we run something and you get into the situation where you're behind a group and you have to peer out you're ready for the ball. You only need that split second. So that he's constantly running those drills has made a huge impact on these guys' development. Yeah. You know, it's strange. I was just going to say, it's strange how a guy who played the position at Ohio State at a high level and then went on to the NFL to play the position at a high level 
when he's your position coach, like it's strange how you get results, right? <laughs> With your receivers. Yeah. I mean, so, so, yeah. <laughs> so is this, I'm, is this I'm, the point where we pause in the pod for our long lost friend, Zach Smith? God, yeah. we're really <laughs> mad at clowns. <laughs> oh my God. Heartline. I, I love Heartline. He's like one of the boys. I like yesterday there was two times when he was on the sideline. I can't, I think it was, I can't remember who actually caught the pass, but Heartline, you know, get, went up and did the chest, the, the chest pump. He was like, he got like five feet off the ground, dude. He was like a little kid at Christmas. It was, <laughs> he's one of the boys, man. I love it. That kid's like, he, he's our best recruiter right now, I think. And he's just, you know, he's bringing oh, yeah. in the talent. Yeah, we're going to have Julian Fleming coming in next year. It's ridiculous. Oh, I love yeah. Heartline. Yeah, yeah. He has been, uh, you know, a, a steal. And, of course, you know, he had been hanging mm-hmm. around the program for a bit. And it, uh, it only made sense that he would get elevated to receiver coach, you know, after the Zach Smith debacle we were lucky yep. to get. Hey, and, you know, he's not the only, only former player who can coach, uh, you know, uh, out there. I, I would hope that uh, kind of going forward, Day is going to keep his eye out to, for that type of talent. Hey, good point. Should we be at all concerned about the slow start from Ohio State? I, I know. So I listened to a little bit of the Cleveland.com podcast, uh, Buckeye Talk. Oh, your morning. buddy Doug. Doug Lamery. Doug. So they, spent, they spent the first 10 minutes of that podcast talking about uh, the, you know, Miami coming in with a game plan and doing some things Ohio State had not yet seen. And Ohio State taking a full quarter to adjust to that. And the point they were trying to make was – could a better team like Nebraska exploit what, what they saw in the first quarter of yesterday's game? I think it's, it's an interesting point. Now, funny enough, uh, Le Marie had made a, a, he had tweeted yesterday after the first quarter kind of uh, <laughs> congratulating Miami for, for coming in with a plan. And uh, I didn't see the tweet until about two hours later. And by then Ohio state was up, you know, whatever the score was, you know, 60 something odd to, to five. So I, uh, I replied to the tweet and I said, this tweet, this tweet has not aged well. And I got an immediate reply from Lane Marie saying, give me a break. He's like, they came in with a plan. They were able to stave off the inevitable for a quarter. You got to give him credit for that. So uh, I, it was really funny to get a response from him on that. And then I think I tweeted at that point, I was like, Ohio state has scored 76 unanswered. And then Lane Marie tweet, he tweeted back. He's like, I know I'm at the game. So, uh, but, but Don't you, do we, do we, do we worry about that at all? Like, Paige, Paige, let me get your take on that. Is this something to be concerned about a little bit? The slow start yesterday. Sounds, sounds like you kind of got a little under his skin there, Zach. You yeah. might have an ongoing Twitter beef here. <laughs> South stands. Kind of like it. Yeah, let's do a it. Nice uh, development. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it goes back to my original point. It, I'm just glad this game is over. You can't take much out of these games. I'm sorry. And, um, you know, it kind of sucks that we, you know, we've played four games, but and it, it, as good as they've looked um, and, you know, as excited as we all are, just be honest, the competition has been just dog shit. So I, yeah. I don't know how you can, you know, be worried too much about a slow start against Miami versus you know, being overly excited because we've just kicked the living shit out of four teams. It's just at the end of the day, aren't going to be very good. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I would much prefer to see, you know, a, a big time matchup, you know, in the first four games, like we've done in the past, the high state hasn't been, you know, shy or bashful about doing that. So you can kind of really understand and see where your team's at, because I'm sorry, we don't really know yet. I mean, and mm-hmm. again, we'll be able to roll through the big 10, um, and we're going to be there at the end, but we're not interested in winning the Big Ten. We're interested to see what this team can do when they play Clemson, when they play Alabama, and that's the standard. And I, I just think the jury's still out just based on the competition that we've seen thus far. All right, Matt, what do you think? Actually, answer your question, Zach, and whatever that was. I had the <laughs> – the, the, does it, is it cause for concern? Look, they came in, they saw something that they, uh, they thought they could be exploited. So they did so. What I liked about it is that they reacted to it and they stopped mm-hmm. it. It wasn't like they couldn't stop it and it kept running on from that point to the third quarter. And it was just a battle back and forth. They, right. stopped it, they stopped it after a couple of times and it was done. 
So my, mm -hmm. what you see there, at least what you're hoping to see is like, we have a team that when we play better talent and they exploit something that's not talent re related, like there's a guy who's just faster on the other side, but it's more, you know, whatever the plays they're Scheme. calling. Yeah. There's schemes and we can adjust to it. We have the, the people on the, uh, in the coaching box who can say, okay, they're doing this. This is how we're going to stop that. And the players can go out and do it. That's, that's what you want. That's what you get. So I was very encouraged by that because that option and the, the way that they were mixing up their plays, they, we were on our heels and, mm -hmm. and then they scored twice and we, and then we stopped it and they, I didn't see too much of that option doing very well at, from that point on. So, uh, got it. Yeah, yeah but Bat, Bat, you're missing my point though, because no, you think, point. oh, was this? No, you really didn't. Because is it because they made uh, defensive coaching adjustments, or is it that the fact that we just have way superior athletes? Both are probably true. But at the end of the day, you're guessing because Miami of Ohio is a shitty football team. Now, if you play a good football team you would be able to answer that question. So that was my point. So you could feel really good about yourself that they adjusted after nine minutes against Miami of Ohio. I, on the other hand, would actually prefer to see them make some adjustments against Georgia because that's the way I'm built. And I don't want to just beat up on these shitty teams as apparently you want to do. Well, yeah. you want to head around your, your crystal ball that we can all look at and see what that game turns out. <laughs> that's how, I'm, I'm more than happy to look into it, Paige. That. Chad, what did you what think? I, what did you think of Ohio State's sluggish start? What did you make of that, Chad? You know what? What I was going to say, like you know, to Sloaner and, and Paige's points and yours as well, but I think there's a like I, I I always say there's a new sheriff in town and his name's Ryan Day. I feel like <laughs> the, when we got into sluggish starts in the past, like Urban just like I feel like we really never adjusted to you know things at halftime and like. Paige said, like, you know, earlier started out saying, uh, like, oh, my God, am I going to have to sweat this shit out, you know? But I feel like that staff, man, they, they – they, and we, it'll get to a game, like, next, you know, Saturday night, 730 in, in Nebraska. You know, I mm -hmm. think these guys make, make adjustments. They, you know – I mean, you go back to think, like, when we were losing to Michigan – we lost to Michigan State. Urban just kept – you know, he wouldn't give the ball – you know, to, to Zeke. And I, you know, I think this team is like making its staff have got adjustments. Like they, they know the game plan and they, they mm -hmm. stick with it as opposed to in the past where it's like, Oh Jesus, why are we doing that again? What are you doing? Yeah. The same shit yeah. over and over. So yeah. That makes yeah. me feel good. So. Just to, let me back you up. Let me back that point up that you're making there, Chad, um, in terms of adjustments. In Ohio State's last three games, they've outscored their opponents 86 to 7 in the second quarter. And, and I agree with you, Paige, that Miami of Ohio, that we really can't glean much from, from Miami of Ohio as an opponent. Um, but, but Indiana and Cincy, they're not exactly chopped liver. I mean, I think those are solid football teams. And uh, we outscored yeah. IU 23 7 in the second quarter. Last week, we outscored Cincy 21 0 in, in the second quarter two weeks ago. And then you know, uh, pretty much uh, ended the game at that point. Um, uh, yesterday, Ohio State did make some immediate adjustments in the, in the post-game uh, press conference. Day said they were playing a soft zone initially uh, to, to open the game, and uh, they went more man-to-man uh, -man, uh, in their coverages to take away those, uh, those cheap uh, gains they were getting on, on uh, Miami was on, on pass plays. Um, and then on the offensive side, you saw them uh, making Miami pay for adding extra men in the box to take away the running game by, by taking shots downfield. And uh, yeah, clearly Miami could not, uh, could not handle Ohio State receivers in one-on-one -on -one coverage. Uh, those were just a couple of the, uh, of the adjustments that Ohio yeah. State made. First couple of series, like Akuda was playing like 15 yards off. I mean, like, yeah. what the hell was that? Very yeah. soft, almost limp zone. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, they, they cut that out after a couple of seasons. Seriously, you know, I also saw some – maybe this was just uh, the coaching staff trying to get these guys a little action before they pulled, you know, all their key guys. Um, but we didn't see a ton of Pete Warner or Tuff Borland after those first couple of series, if I'm not mistaken. And we saw Warner being flagged uh, – he got flagged in the end zone for a pass interference that uh, on Miami's only scoring drive of the game. And then we saw another play a little bit later, I want to say first quarter or might have been the second, where Tuff Borland had a beat on a Miami ball carrier in the backfield and just could not, could not get there. He just did not have the speed 
to drop him in the backfield. That should have been a two or three yard loss. And it turned out to be an eight or nine yard gain. And, and Borland continues to just put up some really bad film. Uh, just his, his lack of athleticism. So what we saw then was more of Taraja Mitchell in the middle and Baron Browning. I think that was also part of an adjustment that they were trying to make on defense to really, you know, put the, right. you know, put the game away early on, which I actually really like seeing. And I think we're all in agreement. We, we expected to see a lot of Taraja Mitchell this year. And we have not for now. And Baron Browning as well. So you just saw more athleticism, more quickness. And that appeared to be another uh, adjustment they made. Um, Boy, yeah, I just Borland don't see. Yeah, go ahead. Like he's wearing, Borland looks like he's wearing Tim uh, Lurch's boots half the time when he's out on the field. So. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you what, I mean, the Michigan State game, perhaps the Wisconsin game, those might be those might be games for Tuck Borland where it's going to be played mostly inside the tackle box, and he'll get to you know because I think within the tackle box he's a very good linebacker. Yeah, but that's true. any opponent that's going to try and spread us out and make him uh, make plays in space. I'm sorry, he's not going to play much, and we're going yeah, to see his yeah. we're going to see his snaps dwindle as the season goes along. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. You're going to make a point. Yeah, I was just going to say it's tough for Borland to move his feet fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah, tough. Unfortunately, that, that's something you can't coach, right? I mean, you can either you can either do or you can't. Uh, any other uh, any other comments on on adjustments? Uh, Anything you saw kind of after that that slow start by Ohio State you guys wanted to comment on? I you know, um, I think Paige's points very true. I think Paige's points very true. It's like, you know, we need some competition. It's uh, you know, right now because of the games, they've you know, I'm looking at the stat, it says that they're averaging two hundred and sixty yards uh rushing and two hundred and sixty-five yards passing. I mean, that's amazing balance. Yeah, uh, but you want to see how well they do when the, the team they're playing stops stops the run or they stop the pass and how how we can adjust just as we can make so. Uh, yeah, there's there's a, again it's like a, to me it was like seeing players you don't see and see the depth in uh, of Ohio State's team in their all their glory, but you're yep. I'm ready for, I'm ready for some challenges now. Yeah, it, it, I mean, we've had the appetizer. It's time for the main course. Let's get it on starting next yeah. Saturday at Nebraska. And then we've got that four-game gauntlet that's followed by Michigan State at home. We've got a bye. Then we travel to Northwestern, which that, that, that looks like much less of a game than maybe we anticipated starting the season. And then we wrap up with the big showdown with Wisconsin. By the way, that, that hype train has started rolling after yesterday. We'll get to that later in the fall. Oh. But I'm, I'm ready for that main course, right? Let's, let's figure out what we have in this team. Um, starting next Saturday. 100%. Um, did Nebraska um, pull that game out last night? They okay. did pull that game out, I think. But, but I think the final was 42-38. It was not yeah. easy. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, it was not easy. It was not pretty at all. I wonder what – quickly off the cuff, what does everybody make that line now at this point? I mean, I think there's another team, of, like our friends up north, that came in with huge expectations – um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm just not seeing it um, right now. Uh -huh. I mean, I would think Ohio State has to be a 14-point favorite next week. I, I agree with that. 14-17 yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. So uh, I, I'm looking over the box score now. The final was 42-38 Nebraska. Uh, they pulled away in the fourth quarter. Uh, to, to, well, I don't want to say pulled away, but they kind of got control of this game in the fourth quarter. They finished with 671 yards of total offense, but they couldn't hang Yikes. on to the ball. I think, yeah, they put up a ton of offense. Let's face it, it's Illinois, though. And uh, they lost four fumbles in that game, and that, uh, that obviously kept Illinois in the game. Um, but, yeah, Paige, to your point, the, the Nebraska hype train uh, is, uh, well, you know, obviously the, 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 they, they, they started the season with a ton of fanfare and uh, have not looked all that impressive. Uh, you know, losing to Colorado in week two and then really struggling to put away Illinois uh, yesterday you could, you know, could be a classic look-ahead moment for, for Nebraska. I'm sure that, that probably played into part of it. But I agree with I you. Heard I think the line is probably for a road test. It's probably going to be a pretty healthy healthy line. Uh, double digits? Um, I don't, you're, what did you say, Paid 14 is, is what you would think it would be? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 14-ish. 
14. I heard there's okay. rumors that uh, I heard there's rumors that they're going to try to put Scott Frost in a quarterback next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I mean they're good at quarterback. I think the question is on the defensive side, and and I and if just kind of and we'll we'll have a preview of this matchup later in the week, but just kind of my initial impressions are. You know, okay, Nebraska's going to be able to move the ball a bit for sure, and they'll probably score some points. But how are they going to stop the Ohio State offense? Uh, I, the, 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 I'll have to look at the stats, but, you know, you give up 38 to Illinois, you give up 34 in a loss uh, at Colorado. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's really the matchup to watch. Uh, if, if Nebraska can somehow come up with some stops defensively, they'd have a chance. But you figure Ohio State is going to get their share of stops, as good as Nebraska's offense is. Ohio State is going to get their share of, of, of stops defensively. Um, I don't know. I, I, this, this matchup, for me, I'm feeling much more positive about this one than I was at the start of the season. Because to me, right. it looks like Nebraska still has a ways to go on the defensive side. Yeah, it's 38 to Illinois. Jeez. It, one more quick observation I wanted to make about just Ohio State personnel from the game yesterday. Um, is it time? Is it time we look at uh, Garrett Wilson in the punt return game over Demario McCall? McCall, uh, I just—it's a numbers game for him. I think Ohio State is just so loaded at the skill positions. There just really hasn't been a position for this guy. He had a nice punt return in the opener against uh, Florida Atlantic, but he—you um, know—he—he he, he fair caught several balls yesterday. One in particular that I felt he could have returned. He hasn't been particularly dynamic in the return game since the FAU game. And I don't know, Garrett Wilson, man, I, I, you just want to find more opportunities to get the ball in his hands, especially with all those other receivers playing well. It's going to be tough for him to get, uh, you know, uh, targets in the passing game. I wonder if we're not going to see Wilson in the return game now going forward. Well, you know, you guys have any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, you know, it's easy to make foul shots when the game's out. It's not in, on the line. So, <laughs> you know, I it, I would I would have him part of it, but I it's too. I mean, that's not the game that you make a decision like that. Other than that's like, a good point. he should be someone we should consider if McCall's not making it up the field. If he's only getting five to ten yards, then maybe yeah, let's let's mix it up and put Wilson in there. But just a straight swap or just straight bounce, I don't know. Not at this point. Okay. Fair uh, see, I totally, I totally disagree. We're, uh, why wouldn't you play that guy? Yeah. Uh, I think you're right on, Zach. I mean, it's it's that classic line, right? Life in the big city. I'm sorry, and I've I've been waiting for McCall to explode on this team for years. It just hasn't yeah. happened. And mm -hmm. and I saw that same um, uh, first punt that you did. Like, what are you doing, dude? Run that ball back. And obviously. <laughs> So did the coaching staff, and they put Wilson back there. Um, I think he's just – he's explosive. You have to find ways to, to get him involved in the game, and it sucks for McCall. But what are you going to do? you got to play your best players. I mean, and, and that was something, right, that, you know, we would argue about or bitch about with Urban where, you know, we're like, are, are you really playing your best players? And it sucks because you want to have this loyalty thing. Hello, JT Barrett. But come on. You know, it, right. it's it's time, and I think I think you're on to something. I think you're going to see Wilson back there um, more and more until he fumbles one, and then he'll put someone in there just to make the catch. <laughs> yeah, I just want to see. I think you have to look for as many opportunities as you can to get the ball in Wilson's hands. And let's face it, there's only so many targets to go around in the passing game because you, you have to – you want K.J. Hill to get the, the, the ball. You want Ben Victor, the way he's been playing, to get the ball. You know, Mac is going to have something to say in the passing game as well. So you have to look for other ways, in my opinion, to get Wilson the ball. Put him back there on punt returns and, and potentially even kick returns and see what he can do. Um, why not? Why would, yeah, but why wouldn't you also do – the person I would think you'd want to put back there is, you know, triple distilled smooth Jameson Williams because that dude's got some jets on. <laughs> that dude's got some jets, man. Yeah, and, and in the case of Williams, I mean, I, he's just going to have to wait his turn. And, uh, Chad, I think it was you who, who was just talking about the future of this team. You're looking at these young guys on the roster, and you have to feel really encouraged about when, when K.J. Hill and Mac and Victor move on, you've got a kid like Williams waiting in the wings for his turn. But, yeah, I'm with you, Matt. The explosion, the acceleration he showed on that uh, pass reception was – was uh, who is that kid? Is I he a freshman? Who the hell? He's a freshman. Yeah. Yeah, he's but, a yeah. true freshman. True freshman. Jesus. 
Wow. Um, I, I mean, the, yeah, the, the other thing. Was, go ahead, Paige. I, 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 back to what Chad was saying about Heartline, th- that guy, he's not going to be wide receivers coach for long. That guy, he's got offensive coordinator written all over him. And he's got head coach written all over him. He even has a high state head coach potential written all over him. I think it's going to be very, very interesting and very, very hard, um, you know, to, to, to potentially keep him because what yeah. he's done is totally miraculous. Um, he does relate to the players. Right. And this will be a topic that you and I uh, talked about with our, our friends up north uh, and, and their head coach, Zach, here in a minute. But he's just so relatable. Kids want to play with him. He is mm-hmm. he's going to be moving up the coaching ranks, I think, just frighteningly fast. Well, yeah, I mean, even even as soon as next year, Ohio State probably has to think about it, and I'm sure they're already thinking about is what what kind of title can we add for him? Right. You know, receivers coach. <laughs> is there a, a passing game coordinator title, a co-offensive coordinator? Who knows how long Kevin Wilson plans to, to continue coaching? It's, yeah. it's nice to have him on the staff now, but one would think that, right. you know, over the next year or two, he probably moves on, and then you create a spot for a guy like potentially Hartline to step in there yeah, and, and get to. a coordinator, co-coordinator I, title or something. Yeah, I think Go one ahead, of the Jack. things in our in our I think one of the things in our favor there is that he is a Buckeye through and through, man. So he's going to – do everything he can. I think they're going to do everything we can to keep him in the program one way or the other. So, but I, yeah. I, I like his, I like where his legion's at and I think he's going to be a high state for long haul. So he's just, he's awesome, man. I, I mean, yeah, he's I, just, he's seeing his he, energy on the sidelines is just, it's unbelievable. I love it. I agree. Yeah. It, he's still pretty early on in his coaching career though. And as you say, he is a Buckeye. I tend to think at this stage, he's probably willing to wait a bit longer for his opportunities. You know, uh, I think a coordinator title of some kind is probably in the offing in the near future. And then, uh, and then we'll see. Yeah. As you say, he'll be, he seems to be on that trajectory of future head coach at some point. Um, yeah. So have we have we taken all the meat off the Miami of Ohio bone here? I, I I don't know how much more we can really glean or from that performance or talk about. Um, it's like I a feel like we got a much. Presley, not much <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think we have a much more juicy topic to move on to, uh, with uh, as Paige likes to call them, our friends from up north, and and what was a very. Uh, impotent performance in Madison, Wisconsin yesterday, uh, uh, losing 35 to 14 to Wisconsin. And, and the game was not even that close. Uh, uh, Michigan spotting Wisconsin, a 35 point lead to get that one started. And uh, we saw all kinds of problems in that game. I I wanted to go around the horn real quick and get some impressions on that, uh, on that game from you guys. Uh, Chad, why don't we start with you? What did you see? Well, I mean, I didn't see much at all, and, I, and I'll uh, let uh, Paige and, and Sloan and you guys take the wheel on that one, but I, one thing I do want to say, is, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you know this, that Charles Woodson was on the uh, oh, yeah. the Fox <laughs> yeah, crew yesterday, yeah, yeah. and he like straight up said, I am sick right now. So that's all you got to say, man. Oh, man. <laughs> you yeah. your most, my, you know, your most heritage players saying, I'm sick right now. That's, I mean, that's really pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what Desmond Howard thinks because that guy, he, I mean, only he's like, you know, to the death will he go down defending Michigan. So I, I wonder if, he, if he's expressed any concern. <laughs> but uh, Paige, Paige, what did, I know you watched a, a, good, a good chunk of the game. What did you see yesterday? Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. I think the thing that was most eye-opening for me, and you were on it and I was wrong because we were talking – right before the half and you kept saying he's got to bench Patterson. He's got to bench Patterson. And I'm like, he's not going to do it. And he's like, he's, you know, these guys all are egomaniacs, but Harbaugh especially is just a raging egomaniac. And so um, I just didn't think they would bring in McCaffrey and sure enough, he did. And so he comes in, he's bigger than I thought. And what, like the second series or I can't quite remember. He I think he came in the crushed. middle of it. Yeah. He brought McCaffrey in in the middle of a possession, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> uh, which is the, 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 the yes. worst way to be replaced if you're a quarterback, right? It's like you go in for a couple snaps and the coach like, get the hell out of there. So, yeah, you're right. McCaffrey yeah. comes in. 
he doesn't really get much of an opportunity. He gets a little nicked up. He was three of eight for 40 yards passing. And Paige, go ahead. You were going to, you were going to continue. Well, I, I mean, he, he didn't get a little nicked up. I mean, the, the guy got thrown out of the game. It was a brutal hit. Um, yeah, yeah. And the first thought that goes through my mind is, Jesus, why does anybody let their kids play football? Um, it's just, man, that was just a vicious <laughs> hit. You see his, his neck yeah. contorted the wrong way. But then the second thought that popped in my head was, okay, so I'm McCaffrey. Uh, my dad's Ed McCaffrey, you know, very, very educated, been playing football for years and years and years. Um, grew up in Castle Rock, Colorado. I'm at Michigan. And why did I send my son to go play for this clown? And my prediction <laughs> right here is, what are the odds that McCaffrey ends up in the transfer portal here by the end of the year? Because I don't know why you're sticking around at, at this program. And, and the reason for that is Interesting. either, yeah, yeah. E- either he um, – you know, is he better than Patterson? God, I think, would think he would have to be. So either the yeah. coaches just don't know how to evaluate talent and they're not playing this kid. And then the other thing is, is, you know, there's now all this reporting about how Harbaugh hired this guy Gaddis. And it's like, yeah. what is this guy doing? And so right. I don't know how the transfer portal works and burning games and stuff like that, but I'm not sticking around there anymore. And if I'm McCaffrey, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. And because I'm looking, you know, down at what Ohio State's doing with quarterbacks, and it's like, this is crazy. They can't develop yeah. quarterbacks, and, right. and Harbaugh's completely lost it. I'm out of there. Right. right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. It's funny because it's like the, on the other end of arrogance is confidence. And what – imagine this, guys. Wisconsin first series, fourth and one on their own, I think it was like 38, and they go for it. That's them saying – you guys, I know you guys think you have a very good defense, but we have a far better offense. Matter of fact, we're going on fourth and one on the first series, and I think made it. And then they did that. On, they went on fourth down, I think, at least two more times. Yeah. I mean, that tells you all you need to say with the say the coaching on um, Wisconsin, basically saying we know we have the guys and the plan to beat you in no matter what situation it is. We could be on our own five yard line. We'll still go for it. Because we yeah. have your your defense is just not there. I they, wanted to uh, go ahead, Chad. Fumbles, twelve or thirteen fumbles in the first three games. I mean, that is just ridiculous. Well, I, so I, they fumbled. I, they fumbled on the opening possession of all three of their games this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I mean, that, I don't know what that tells. What does that say? I mean, it, uh, yeah. I mean, ball security. Uh, you know, uh, missed tackles. I, I saw a team that just was not ready to compete. Uh, b- before we move on, I actually wanted to uh, to mention Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports did a really kind of scathing expose on on the dumpster fire at Michigan. If you guys hadn't had a chance to read it, you should check it out. And I wanted to read just a little bit. Uh, Paige, you you had mentioned the Gaddis uh, hire, and I thought this was very telling. I'm just going to read a little bit. Um, from Thamel's piece this morning on, on Yahoo Sports. Gaddis' early struggles should be pinned squarely on Harbaugh, says Thamel. The offseason coronation of Gaddis as a great hire included these delicious details and a story on The Athletic. Quote, there was no interview, no face-to-face meeting, no get up on the board and show me how you run this session, not even a tell me about your offensive philosophy discussion, end quote. Harbaugh basically put the future of the program on a 20-minute phone conversation, which is a bit like getting engaged after the first drink on a first date. And he did, he did it knowing that Nick Saban had an opportunity to promote Gaddis to the same job and declined. That's impulsive and reckless, even by Harbaugh's standards. So, uh, and, and the article goes on. It's actually a very good piece. But if you really wanted to get a sense for just what a dumpster fire it is right now at, at Michigan. I think this piece really uh, illuminates that. Well, you know, um, and, the, well, and then he also pointed on that story. He said that, you know, what if Nick Saban hasn't bumped you up to offensive coordinator, doesn't that tell you something? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think Michigan has a few problems. First of all, it starts at quarterback. Uh, they have – pages you've made reference to it that clearly there's a talent evaluation issue and probably a player development issue because they've stuck by uh, you know a pretty ineffective shape Patterson 
uh, since last season. And uh, so that's the first issue that I see. I also see uh, the, the play of this so-called vaunted offensive line, uh, which uh, was lauded as the, the best unit in the country going into the season, which just stunned me because all you had to do is look at uh, Michigan's biggest games from last year, and you could see they could not run the football. They could not protect the Shea Patterson. I don't know how the Michigan offensive line had, had – uh, had earned the reputation as a great unit because clearly uh, when it counted against equal talent, uh, they, they really struggled. They weren't even good, uh, let alone great. Um, the other problem Michigan has that I see is they are several notches below uh, defensively where they've been in recent years. And uh, with, with really no dynamic, no one who stands out at all at any level of that defense, I think this is going to be a very long year for Ohio's, for, sorry, for Michigan. And, and I don't – I see four or five losses coming, uh, even against opponents that they'd be heavily favored to win. I would not, uh, I, I would not uh, assume anything. Um, they look to me to, to be in deeper trouble than even I thought because I was not on that bandwagon to start, to start the season, as you guys know. Um, any other their, thoughts? Their defense, uh, go ahead, Mr. Yeah, their defense, as bad as their offense is, their defense is in worse shape, which is – yeah. Which is shocking. Uh, they quit competing in that game. I mean, they had guys out of position. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was just they could not tackle. Uh, it was terrible. And, and yeah. all this hype train coming into the season, it's like, well, wait a minute. You lost your three best defensive players last year with Bush and uh, Gary and Winovich or whatever the hell his name was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it, it just – it was – it was kind of beautiful to watch in some, at some level, but um, they're just not very good, and it's going to be no. a long season. But, you know, as, as our, our buddy Gallagher likes to say, you know, with Harbaugh, and obviously they're just going to be screaming for his ass at this point, where do they turn? I, I don't know that they have any good options. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they can't – you know, the guy that I love, Mike Leach, like they're not going to go down that road again. They did that with Rich Rod. They're not going to change their identity overnight. I, I mean, I think they're stuck with this guy, and I think that's a beautiful thing for us in the long term. Like I hope they yeah. give him that lifetime contract. This, that would be a thing of beauty. I mean, it would. Um, I mean, would Les Miles come into the picture? I mean, you know, he, he kind of had a fall from grace at LSU. He's trying to resurrect his career at Kansas. But, I mean, certainly the Michigan, the Michigan coaching tree, I, I don't know where they would turn if they want to stay, stay within the Michigan coaching family. And there are some young coaches, and Campbell at Iowa State might be a guy they, they would take a look at. Uh, I, I saw Jay Book of uh, Bucknuts today post uh, something on, on Twitter. He's been, he likes to go visit the Michigan chat boards uh, after, after a debacle like this. And he says don't, Michigan Don't we fans, all. Yeah, don't we all. He says some Michigan fans are, are saying they have to go after Urban Meyer. Which oh, yeah. I don't know he if that's a Hail Mary. Well, I mean, you yeah. know, my opinion my opinion is if they really want if they really wanted to turn around the program, they would look for someone uh, from a state that has a really good recruiting or lack of high school talent and fire and find mm-hmm. someone who has a good connection there, like we did with Trestle. I mean, yeah. Trestle was the best liniment for our woes at that time, and he basically mm-hmm. changed the program and put us on this path that we've been on uh, since he since he's since he came on board. And then that's, that's right. the type that's the type of player because he redefined our identity. Uh, mm-hmm. He brought we all started walk, talking about football with our shoulders back a lot more. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Prime he renewed the program. He, we, we were talking about this a couple pods ago, Matt, that he, what, what I think Trestle did more importantly than anything is renewed our focus on the Michigan rivalry. And yes. they had renewed energy, renewed commitment to that rivalry. And it all started with that. And if you win that game on a regular basis, that means that you're probably winning the big 10 on a regular basis. That means that you're, you're nationally relevant. And, and I think that also is part of what needs to happen with Michigan uh, right. is renewing their focus on the Ohio state rivalry. But I think they've got, First things first, right? You got you got to crawl before you can walk, and um, I think they need to look at the coaching situation there. Um, and John it, it, Cooper. To, yeah, well, hey, maybe hey, if you can't beat them, join them, right? Maybe they look on the Ohio State coaching tree for somebody. Um, I don't know who they could convince to take that job, but I mean, maybe 
I think I think Meyer's a moonshot and, you know, a, a Hail Mary that I'd be stunned if that happened. And it seems as though if he is going to go back into coaching again, it's probably USC. That's where all the whispers are. But but maybe there's somebody else. Do they turn to Luke Fickle or somebody like that? I don't know. Uh, do they give Marcus Freeman a shot? As a, I, I don't know. It's it's. But Paige, to your point, it's looking bleak for them. And, and it, it, you know, the other thing is, it might not a hundred percent just be coaching. I mean, they're just they're at a structural disadvantage in Michigan. You know, to try and compete with the high states and the Florida schools and the SEC, they don't have the recruiting base that we did. I, th- I look at them now a lot more like a Nebraska. When we grew up, mm-hmm. right, those teams were always on national TV, right? Kids would come from all over the country to play there right. because you only had three channels. The, the landscape has changed, and yeah. it's up north. I mean, the weather sucks. Um, so, you know, maybe this is just yeah. who Michigan is and is yeah. going to be for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the last 20 years would suggest that they won a piece. They won a part of a national title back in 1997. Right. And and continued to control the Ohio State rivalry there for a few years, for a few more years. But starting in 2001, Ohio State and Michigan diverged as programs. And Ohio State now going on 20 years has been the far better program in every conceivable measure. We've talked about this before on this pod. Um, and now Michigan has kind of started to, yeah, they, they to me, if you, if you ignore the, uh, the helmets and uh, the names on the back of the jerseys and the school colors and you just look at them by their record, results on the field, bowl results and so forth, they are, they are that second echelon of yeah. the Big Ten, along with Wisconsin and Michigan State, right? right. They're, they're no longer uh, the cream of the Big Ten crop. Well, on the other hand, what you can't ignore is that they have very deep pockets and an alumni base that's willing to pay, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to bring someone in and restructure things. And, you know, I don't know how forward thinking they are, but this is something that will at least wake them up. But the harder thing to get is, you know, your, your university, the green light that much for facilities, for coaches, for all those, for all those big program these these days so yeah. it will i i think while it'd be it'd be nice if we could watch them and suffer i think at some point they'll turn they'll turn it around and they'll be able to come within maybe 14 points of uh losing at some point <laughs> hey uh, hey matt you're, you're breaking up just matt you're breaking up just a little bit are you walking around or do you move into a different room uh, nope just a okay. belly all right got it <laughs> Hey, um, by the way, Sloaner, how was uh, Jerry's birthday sleep over last night? I'm very <laughs> tired right now. I'm very, very <laughs> tired right now. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to I wanted to spend just a couple minutes. I know not all of us saw it, but there was another big game that affected the the overall landscape of college football, and that was um, that was the Georgia Notre Dame game. Uh, I, I was able to catch a couple of quarters of that, and I was quite honestly very surprised uh, and, and impressed that, that Notre Dame was able to hang in there as long as they were and actually had a chance to win that game late, down 23-17 with two minutes to go. They got the ball back, and they just weren't able to generate anything. I even, even got on Georgia's side of the field, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm wondering, Paige, you had mentioned before we started recording that uh, that could be a potential – you know, no win situation for Ohio State, should they drop a game and should, you know, we're comparing resumes late in the season, the college football committee, you know, uh, playoff committee comparing resumes late in the season. Should we be looking at a one loss Georgia, one loss Ohio State, one loss Notre Dame? The results of that game yesterday, you know, could hurt Ohio State, right? Because you've got, well, Paige, I'll let you make the point. Well, no, yeah, I, I think it's, I, I kind of, I liked Notre Dame going into that game just to hang with them. I watched the first half. That was it. I fell asleep. I had to ask you who won the game before we started the pod. From what I saw, Notre Dame's got some good players. I mean, they it didn't really seem like they could do a whole lot on offense, but it wasn't like they were run off the field just by superior athletes. So we all know that a one-loss Notre Dame is just going to you know, be making a lot of noise potentially to get into the playoffs down the road. Right. There's still a ton of football left to be played. We don't know how 
you know, everything's going to shake out. But I mean, I think we just would have been better off had one of those, it had Notre Dame just won, right? So then, okay, so now we have a Georgia team that lost at home. They're probably out of the discussion or, you know, Georgia just crushed Notre Dame and said, look, you just don't belong. Uh, you know, it's potentially one of the last four teams standing. Nah, now they're just going to have an argument one way or yeah. the other. So, Well, I saw a tweet from Kirk Herbstreet uh, either late last night or this morning where he, he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said that Notre Dame acquitted themselves very well in that game and uh, that they're still very much in the mix. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking back on that game, I think the college football committee will look favorably on how they, how they have played. So yeah, to your point, should Ohio state drop a game, Notre Dame uh, stays at one loss and Georgia, let's say they lose and you're comparing the three resumes. What happened yesterday was not really a great thing for Ohio state. Georgia won the game. Notre Dame hung into the very end. And uh, you know, if Ohio state has a, you know, Another one of those losses where they show up against a middling team and don't look good and, and lose by double digits. Well, they, they can ill afford that kind of an performance. And in fact, at this stage, I think they got to go undefeated. Yeah, you know, they do. I, I, That's the elixir to that whole argument, though, right? Yeah. Just don't yep. lose a game. If you don't lose a game, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. 100, 100%. 100%. Yeah, pretty competitive game between the two. Uh, you know, 23 17 was the final, as you mentioned, and Notre Dame had a chance to win it late. And the Georgia defense held, but 339 yards of total offense for Georgia in that game, 321 for Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame really couldn't run the ball in that. They led, they they relied uh, pretty heavily on Book, Ian Book, their their quarterback. He finished 29 47 for 275 yards and two touchdowns, but he also had two picks. But otherwise, a, just a pretty evenly uh, played contest, and uh, I didn't see a distinct advantage uh, for Georgia in any one area. And um, yeah, the, in the back of your mind, though, you got to think that. about Notre Dame, like what they've done the last two years in the college football playoff. I mean, that right. that's got to come in the back of the mind, regardless of their talent this year. They just well, last year, right? Because they've only they've only qualified yeah. once. But but yeah, you're right. They, right. they they did not look competitive at all with Clemson um, in that game. However, they they did look better against Clemson in the end than Alabama did, which is kind of ironic. But uh, that's true. Do <laughs> uh, you guys have any other thoughts, any other observations from the national landscape? Any other games that we should mention? Pretty much uh, news. Yeah, you know, Joe, Joe, speaking of running up the score, good old Joey Burrows trying to make a case for yeah. Heisman. Jeez. Yeah, yeah Six boy. touchdowns yesterday. That's 13 touchdowns in the last two games. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, and it just, again, it just speaks to the ridiculous depth of talent that, that Meyer uh, assembled in his years at Ohio State, that you can lose a guy like Burrow, see him shine and, and become a, a, you know, a legitimate Heisman candidate for another major program and be like, oh, good for him, rather than like, Jesus, why couldn't we have kept the guy? Because the yeah, guy we exactly. have, I feel like, is better than Joe Burrow. All due respect to yeah. Joe Burrow. I'm sorry. Give me Justin Fields every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Well, you mean oh, Dwayne? Yeah. You mean Dwayne Haskins? You mean Dwayne Haskins? It, exactly. Well, Haskins was the one they decided to keep. Exactly. Uh, but you know, Burrow. Uh, you know, had they kept him, he he would be you know the starter uh, uh, at Ohio State. But no, you're right. I mean, be it Haskins, be it Fields, I'll take either of those guys over over Burrow, and it's just this incredible uh, yep. luxury that we have as Ohio State fans that we're not lamenting uh, the departure of, uh, of Burrow to LSU. What? So, so you're, that, you, you're, you're saying that you thought that Burrow had that scenario played out the way you just said, that Burrow would have been able to beat out Tate Martell? I totally disagree with that, dude. It'd be the Tate mean, yeah. train right now. It'd be great. It'd be so great. It is crazy uh, because just the way things played out, especially with this, you know, this whole transfer portal becoming a huge factor, uh, you know, Meyer was spared, uh, you know, what would have been a gigantic recruiting mistake or what would have been looked back on as a gigantic recruiting miss in Tate Martell, right? Because, um, you know, what is he, a backup wide receiver now with Miami? Um, they were fortunate yeah, that, he, uh, yeah. that things played out the way they did because, uh, yep. it, Tate, the transfer portal saved them. 
Tate's spending his weekends at the Clevelander down in South Beach, buddy. I mean, it's <laughs> gone from bad to worse. <laughs> uh, well, I wish I was having a cocktail there right now. <laughs> That's true. Well, I think it's been what a pretty good Auburn, effort here, no. guys. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Jack. I said not, Auburn's not a team to sleep on. I think they look pretty solid, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They look pretty good. We'll see, though. They're in that. They're in that. The, the, the tougher division, though, with Bama, isn't that right? Bama and LSU, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they're yeah. going to have to go through both of those teams. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, they look great early, yeah. but enjoy uh, your spot. Enjoy your spotlight, Auburn. It'll be going away soon. Yeah, enjoy your 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, fellas, I think it's a pretty good effort for a Sunday morning. Unless you have any other uh, any other comments, thoughts. Why don't we wrap it up? Wrap it yep. up, buddy. Wrap it up. Good to be on with All you right. boys today. Go Buck. Good to, good to be go on Buck. with you guys. Thanks, thanks so much for uh, making the time. And we will reconvene later this week to go over the, uh, the Nebraska uh, game coming up next Saturday.